Welcome to Mission Log Genealogy. I'm Earl Green. And I'm Norman Lau. This is a Roddenberry podcast, but not one that you're expecting. Even though this show is part of the Mission Log family, it doesn't deal with Star Trek or even science fiction. In fact, it doesn't even follow one show. It follows one writer and his ideas as he makes his way through the early days of the television industry. A writer whose name gets mentioned a lot in all the podcasts we do here. In fact, his name is Gene Roddenberry. Since this podcast is so different from the other ones we've done, we thought it might be a good idea to borrow a page from comic books and do issue zero to introduce you to the show and its subject matter. And we're sure you'll have some thoughts on this. So Norman, why don't you do the thing where you tell the people how to share those thoughts with us? Genealogy is meant to be entertaining and informative, but it's also the beginning of an ongoing conversation about the works of Gene Roddenberry. Drop us a line at missionlog at roddenberry.com and join us on Twitter and Facebook at Mission Log Pod. While you're at it, leave us a review and a rating at Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And please remember, your comments could be used on future installments of Genealogy. But you know whose comments will be heard in today's show? We're joined for this special introductory show by Rod Roddenberry, who has been behind this project from the word go. Welcome, Rod. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. You know, obviously, you guys deserve the credit, but uh, it is... it is. Um, well, you guys are going to talk a bit more about this, but the minute this was brought... Uh, Earl, I think uh, you might have had a little something to do with that. Uh, the minute this idea sort of started to come up there... Um, I was I was a little hesitant because we're always sort of walking that line between creating great content, of course, but then who's going to listen to it? And then sort of the other half of me is, you know, we've got the Roddenberry Archive, we do Mission Log. These podcasts, for me, are not necessarily or not just business. Frankly, if they were just business, I, I'm not sure we would be able to survive on them. But um, this is passion. And this is a, a true desire to explore, for me, who my father was and his works. And, you know, this started all the way back with Trek Nation, the documentary. Um, I have been on a continuing journey to explore Gene Roddenberry and his works. And, uh, Earl, when you brought this to us, I, I thought it was a great idea. I was just concerned how many people are really going to dig into this. And as you guys develop this... And as you guys kind of said, we're going to explore his older works, which I don't want to give too much away right now. I'll let you guys go into more detail um, and, and really connect it to the man and what the industry was like and, and give it some real context and history. That's really what sold me. That's, that's what I think is going to make this uh, a fascinating show. Yeah, I think context is, is everything, you know, especially if you're podcasting about older shows i mean people so often kind of silo things like you know we're we're not going to mention anything else that happened that week but it's like it, all of it matters other stuff that was mm -hmm. on the air matters what was on the evening news alongside that show matters because that also informed the stories you know the issues mm -hmm. tackled in so many of the shows that we have dissected in our podcast here um 
you know, the issues do matter. They are issue shows. And so it'll be interesting to find out where that starts here in Gene's legacy as a writer. Absolutely. You know, Rod, I know that when you, John, and Ken originally started Mission Log, it's my understanding that you wanted to do it because you didn't understand why people would come up to you in conventions or, you know, would meet with you in person and say, this show, like, directly affected my life in a very profound way. Since we're going all the way back to the very beginning, you know, beyond Star Trek, actually, before Star Trek, I should say, Mm -hmm. are you looking at this in that same way where you're going to try and discover things through this show or as we discover things through this show that may inform you a little bit more about your father and his earlier work because this is a historical deep dive of going all the way back to, what is it, Earl, 1954, 55? Yeah, 54 is the the earliest produced show. The first script sale was in late 53, so we're kind of landing like right around the 70th anniversary of Gene Roddenberry becoming a produced television writer. And there's lots of unproduced television writers, you know, and that includes me. You know, I threw my TNG spec into the pile just like everyone else back in the day. But uh, produced, that's a a big deal. Yeah, he was, uh, my father was probably, what, mid-30s around that time? Yeah, yeah, Um, early 30s. Just, just, yeah, after being a a cop for the LAPD, um, you know, a lot of us who... Who know Gene Roddenberry and know his story? We're, we're familiar with that, but yeah, I mean, uh, Norm, it, it is a way for me to learn more about my father, and I don't want to say it's just that, but to be completely honest, regardless of Star Trek, even before Star Trek, my father had a fascinating life. I mean, he's lived multiple lives even before Star Trek came out, um, and and you'll see that because we're working on documentaries and and uh, a TV series and hopefully a movie that will dig into all of this. And this is just another way to explore um, in greater detail a, a section of his life that was, you know, maybe after uh, World War II and, and LAPD, but the beginning of his writing career. And it, I do think it's fascinating. I love origin stories. I love seeing the, the, the soup, the sauce that makes someone who they are. And I'm hoping, and I haven't seen most of these shows. In fact, I'd say 99% of all the shows that you guys have on the list here, um, I have not seen. And uh, while this is not going to necessarily be a a, uh, a watch-along, I am interested in hearing about those shows. And as you guys just said, the, the context of what was going on, and if we can pull apart and dissect a little bit of who the man was at that time that was coming up with these ideas and see it evolve over the years and perhaps even decades as we move on in his career. So I think that's going to be really fascinating to, to find out what, what was it that, that started Gene Roddenberry on this, on this writing path, on this uh, television show creating path. All right, so all of you may be asking yourselves, is this another side effect of the ongoing strikes that we're doing this podcast? Um, you know, because we have two strikes going on. We have both the writers and the actors on strike, and that's brought large portions of the entertainment industry to a dead standstill. And the answer, yeah, I'm not going to lie to you, partly it is. You know, the answer to that would be a qualified yes. The SAG after podcast guidelines and specifically rule out promotional podcasts, which is rewatch podcasts. And that's mission log in a nutshell. And we are standing in solidarity with our fellow creative professionals out there. You know, when we were developing this, uh, Earl, and 
I have to give Earl like all the credit in the world because this is an idea that you have kept, you know, uh, developing and maturing and cultivating, you know, for some time now. And, uh, you know, we've been working hand in hand with Rod, you know, to make sure that the vision is complete. And when it comes to, you know, what we're looking for, and then, of course, what Rod is looking for, you know, we've been doing this for some time. And you're right, since it doesn't rewatch any one particular show, as a matter of fact, it covers some story pitches and scripts that were never sold or produced. So it's not specifically a rewatch podcast. And, you know, this is... For lack of a better term, this is kind of like a historical documentary-esque podcast because there were scripts that were never filmed. So technically, there's nothing to rewatch in that context. So we are going to be actually diving deep into the Gene Roddenberry archives of scripts, of notes, of you know historical anecdotes of these stories that were never materialized. And I think that that's the very unique thing about this podcast as its own project. Yeah, in some cases, there is nothing to rewatch, especially, you know, uh, scripts that did not sell or sold but did not get produced. You know, there's, there's nothing to see. However, it, that being said, this isn't just about finding a loophole. And since there's this writer strike going on, this is kind of the perfect time to look at perhaps the, the evolution in the art and the craft of TV writing. You know, it's it's its own art form in and of itself. It's evolved in a both creative and business style um, and there are ways to look at how hard that writers like Gene back in the 1950s or even earlier writers that are trying to stay alive in this business, stay afloat, stay relevant, and also bring their vision, you know, and their, to steal a phrase from Mission Log, morals, meanings, and messages to the audience of that time. You get to be a career TV writer by delivering scripts that are not just meaningful and memorable, because we love scripts when they're that, but they also have to be shootable on that show's budget, and they have to be delivered on time consistently. And once you've proven you can do that, you can start climbing the ladder. You know, now you're a producer. Now you're an executive producer. Now you're a show creator. Uh, The term showrunner is really kind of a, a 90s and forward thing. And it perhaps didn't really exist in the way that we mean it now, back then. But show creator was a big deal because every time that credit shows up on screen, created by your name, you're getting paid for that. That's a big deal because you're not having to necessarily write all of it. We'll be following along with Gene's career as he travels down the road that led him to create the show that Mission Log covered when it originally launched. And speaking of Mission Log, it will be back when the strikes are over and it may occasionally take over the feed again for special shows between now and then but when mission log resumes in full it will be back to covering star trek as per the rules john will be back i'll still be here and even the computer will be back which i know a lot of fans are really concerned about because everyone loves computer but if you like what we're doing here covering gene's early work share it make some noise about it do the social stuff you know let us know because all of that gives us the opportunity to understand that our work covering Gene's work prior to Star Trek is important to you and uh, a way for us to look at further continuing the show even on after the strike because there's what how many decades of story to tell? Oh, at least at least three, maybe four and some of it stuff that I had never even heard of before. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. You know, um, I I hope for me there's the uh, 
I don't know, it's the golden apple, whatever. This, the, the one unique story that's out there that I don't know if it exists in any physical form. But um, DC Fontana told me a story once uh, that my father took uh, Chris, oh God, Chris, Chris Knopf out to a baseball game. And uh, at that baseball game, and this was, you know, before Star Trek, but this was probably early 60s, late 50s. And my father apparently started telling him a pitch idea about a dirigible that was flying from place to place. It had a varied crew, and every place it landed at, it sort of solved the problems of that area. And, you know, he feels strongly that this was the first inkling, the first bit of Star Trek. Um, and my father was an incredible reader and writer, and so it just... I, I, I I hope somewhere in our archives we have something, because that truly would be, I think, the first uh, the first concept for Star Trek. We do. I don't, have, I don't know if we'll get to it, but that that would be cool. We have an internal spreadsheet for you know kind of the the both the order that we are going to cover stuff in, and we'll get back to that here in a few, but also the chronological order of either you know a script if it didn't make it to screen or as close as we can nail down to the air date, if it did air. But, you know, somewhere around 1961, I have a line on that spreadsheet, you know, reserved for that if we find it, you know, with a note, this is the holy grail. Yeah. yeah. So here's how Genealogy will be different from other Mission Log podcasts. Because it kind of has to take you back in time, not just in Gene's career, but in the history of scripted entertainment for TV overall, the trivia section will be a bit more prominent. It'll actually be a bit of a history lesson. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that part because uh, it's like old-time radio. You know, we're going to maybe get some... I don't know, Rod, do we have budget in the, uh, in, the, in the bottom line for a Foley machine? Maybe some, like, clapboard shoes, you know, some celery, you know, maybe a Zinger machine, those kind of things for old-time radio? Maybe. I can hop out here in the alley and probably find a few things right. that will work. <laughs> Gladly. Well, that's kind of the, you know, going all the way back to referencing the 1950s. I mean, that's where we're going to be. The summaries of each script, you know, for this show, for this podcast, will be a bit more detailed also like the trivia. Gene was a very busy TV writer, as some of you may know. And as writers, that is a profession. And professions, you know, they are the ways and means to be able to support a family, which he had to do. And he was contractually tied down to one show. And that was a rarity in the, in the early days of, of TV and writing for TV dramas. And he sold and wrote scripts to whoever was buying because that's what writers do. You know, whenever he could, however he could, that's the nature of this job. So there will be kind of these one-off scripts, not necessarily series, but a script that was sold to be able to pay for what he needed to pay for, taking care of you know, his, his family. And shows that he's never worked on again. So again, we're going into the deep archives. We're going into these unique stories that have never been seen, never been recorded, never been uh, never been talked about probably on the air. So we're setting up this whole premise of the show in a way where we can talk about this as Gene's particular work storyline. And while we're there, are we going to look for morals, messages, and meanings like regular mission log? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You bet. That's the whole reason we're here. But keep in mind, where we pick up Gene's story, he's a young writer just getting started. He's growing in his craft. He's finding his voice. His worldview is also evolving, too. He's not the great bird of the galaxy yet. We might even stumble across a couple of things that are very much of the time. But 
you know, it would be problematic if someone came out and said them today. And, you know, we're going to take that on the nose because none of us now in this room is who we were 20 or 30 years ago. And, you know, I know occasionally I'll see an old picture and I'll be like, oh, thank God for that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, life is the greatest uh, experience. And uh, that's probably what informed Gene throughout his writing career. So, yeah, we're going to be looking for any of the signs of the messaging that we talk about on Standard Mission Log, the morals, meanings, and messages that Gene has become very famous for in his most famous work that we all know. And, uh, you know, look for signs of him subverting those expectations in the genres that he worked in previously before that famous show. The famous show we keep mentioning, you know. You know what we're talking about. We're talking about Star Trek, and it was subversive for the time. You know, it just kind of launched onto everyone's screens in the fall of 1966, September 8th, 1966, to be, you know, uh, one of those trivia guys in a blaze of primary colors on NBC. And that cast included uh, people of, uh, of a variety of different colors and prominent positions of authority and expertise. Uh, Roger just mentioned the story with DC. So if we can actually find that and... Uh, and and immortalize that for history, that would be amazing for our show. And Star Trek was subversive to the expectations of the audience at the time, but it had to start somewhere, and this is the show that's going to investigate that start. I'm, I'm so glad you guys are saying that, and, and I'm so glad that this is the, the road we're going down, because, you know, my father was uh, uh, quite a, a unique thinker. Um, I, I What was going on in his head, uh, most of it couldn't be said publicly, and very little, I think, ever really made it onto the page, let alone the screen. He had some pretty extreme points of view. And by extreme, I don't just mean political in nature, but he, he liked taking the topics of, uh, uh, of, of religion, politics, sex, drugs, uh, you name it. And, and really thinking, what is the point of this? What does it do? What did it do in the past? What is it doing today? And what is, is it going to be necessary in the future? And what would it look like? And, and he took those two extremes, and it, it'll be fascinating. And, and he, he's, he's put them into Star Trek, but of course, like I said, he could, he could nowhere near put in as much as he wanted to. It'll be neat to see what did and didn't get written into these stories uh, uh, so much years earlier, you know, 10, mm -hmm. 20 years earlier before Star Trek. Um, it'll be fascinating to see if there are threads of that, which I assume there will be here and there, but then it'll be really interesting to see the things that may not seem Gene Roddenberry or may not seem. They may not match my expectation of, well, clearly you can see his, his line of thinking all the way through the stories. It'll be interesting to see the little bits and pieces that pop up that go, I had no idea that my father thought that way back then. I mean, as you guys were just saying, the, the 1950s were very different from, of course, the 70s, 80s, 90s, etc. And so it'll be fascinating, I think, to try to wrap my head around who Gene Roddenberry was in that era. And I have you guys, thankfully, dissecting these stories and not just explaining them, but digging deep into, as we've said over and over, the context of what the line of thinking was in that day and in that story and from that man. I mean, so first, I'm, I'm really excited. First of all, Rod, I mean, I think uh, I can speak for Earl here. We thank you for the trust that you're giving us to be able to investigate, you know, this information, because that's hugely important to us. I mean, your approval and having you sign off on this show, I mean, allows us to do what we want to do. And of course, uh, your input and your insight you know, to any of this is going to be paramount importance. And I think that we all 
as Star Trek fans know, that Gene Roddenberry, in his final polished Great Bird of the Galaxy form, but going all the way back to 1954, I mean, some of his earlier work may not be as earth-shaking. And, uh, and forgive us at times, you know, when we were crafting the show, where we find a script or two that are outlines or they're very skimpy in terms of content. So we're going to do our very best to at least isolate a script per episode. But there are going to be some times where we can't. No one goes out there to sell and to be able to uh, depend on their work for their livelihood to produce a bad project. Nobody does that, right? You know, because your reputation's on the line, especially if you're starting off early. So things happen in the process of handing a script in to seeing a finally produced show. And your dad would know that better than most because as a writer to executive producer, he has seen all the different permutations of that process. So sometimes the script editor has to wrestle with the story. You have to get a filmable product within budget. You know, you have members of cast or crew that may not be getting along or may not be available that day. So it takes a lot. It takes a village to get even the most, uh, the simplest of scripts done, let alone full-scale productions. Yeah, great point. Now, are we going to ask if a given show holds up? Because I know that's a mission log tradition. We will definitely praise it if it's a slam dunk for the ages, but usually the question is not going to apply. In many cases, we are going off of scripts instead of a finished show or anything that even got near a soundstage. Did you know that the only way... Now, the first show we're going to cover um, is an episode of a show called Mr. District Attorney. It's a syndicated show from 1954. Do you know the only way you can see those episodes is to go to the University of Wisconsin at Madison and ask them to screen the 16mm films of the episodes for you? So that brings up an interesting question, Earl. You mentioned the University of Wisconsin-Madison that is now archiving these these earlier works. Now, exactly how does somebody at the University of Wisconsin-Madison get all of this archival work, store all this archival work, and I guess for the general Gene Roddenberry fandom public, for these fans not to really know about where all of these earlier archival works are being housed because, I mean, this is kind of like holy grail source stuff, wouldn't you think? It is, and here's, here's the connection. It's, it's a little Byzantine, but follow me. Gene's first employer in TV was Ziv Television Programs, which was really one of the first powerhouses of first-run syndicated programming in the United States. When Ziv was coming down the off-ramp of being a viable business, they donated all of their holdings, their production paperwork, their scripts, 16mm films of all of the stuff that they produced to the Wisconsin Historical Society, which houses its archives, at least as of 2019, at UW-Madison. And I feel like I probably owe an apology in advance to some poor librarian at UW-Madison because people are going to stampede their, show me the films! The, the archives are held there. You cannot get copies of stuff in the archives. I mean, you can go in and look at them. You can't get copies of them unless you have expressed permission from the copyright holder. And I'm not even sure who the IP from Ziv rests with now. Is it in the public domain or not? You, you know, this, this actually makes me think... This is another opportunity to the, these particular works, and of course, all sorts of works all over the world. They some of them are lost, and luckily, some of them are archived in libraries like uh, Madison. But there are people out there, fans or not, but there's people out there who love this stuff, 
Um, we all have our, our geekdom, things that we love. And I know, we all know, there are people out there that probably collect uh, classic stories, um, whether they're Gene Roddenberry or not. So I guess what I'm saying here is anyone who hears this show and hears me saying this, if you have collected any sort of Gene Roddenberry content material prior to Star Trek, the stuff that he created that, before that, we don't necessarily have it all. And we certainly don't have access to it. And this is a, a, a quest. This is a journey. This is a journey of discovery. We, we want to find uh, the materials that are out there that give us a better picture of who Gene Roddenberry was before Star Trek. So if, you, if you've got tapes, if you've got film, if you've got documents um, and you're willing to, to send us a copy or at least tell us you got them and give us some information, uh, we'd love that. Please. Mission log at Roddenberry.com, everybody. So earlier I mentioned we might not be covering stuff in strict chronological order. We're going to be covering these in a slightly modified order, partly to help the podcast be a bit more cohesive as a listening experience. But we will have a page on missionlogpodcast.com that will display the podcast in strict chronological order. So, you know, we're kind of doing machete order. Strict chronological order will be something you can look up at your leisure later. Now, to make a finer point of this, Earl, this is because of the SAG After Strike guidelines in terms of shows that we can and can't cover in terms of a rewatch podcast. So that's that's important because some of these shows are in still they're still in circulation in, in the streaming world. And, you know, especially some of the all time classics that either Gene has produced or worked on, such as Have Gun Will Travel, one of my favorite westerns and one of my favorite shows of all time, and a few others. So if the strike is still going on when we reach any of these shows, uh, we'll have to uh, incorporate the machete order in terms of our production because we'll have to skip over those and then circle the wagons back to them at a later date because we stand in solidarity with the creatives who are currently on strike and uh don't worry i mean we're going to cover it all we just have to do it the right way for the right reasons because what we're doing with standing with sag after is for the right reasons yeah i mean if if gene were here today he would be out there with them doing that and, and, and rod i'm sure Boy, you're you're in the middle of this thing. I mean, you're you're the son of a writer and an actor. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's um it, it is an interesting time, and it's something that uh, I, I I'm I'll just say it. I'm I'm glad it's happening. It needs to happen. Um, it's it's always needed to happen. Uh, so so yes. All I can say is I'm I'm in full agreement, and uh, I I might even be out there sometime soon uh, in the line supporting my 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 brothers and sisters. So, what the show is about, we are telling the story of Gene Roddenberry, but we are also telling the stories of Gene Roddenberry. The story of Gene Roddenberry, up-and-coming television writer, growing the skill and influence of his storytelling prowess, and the stories that Gene wrote for the screen, which in some cases, like we pointed out, you can't even see them anymore. We're telling the story of the evolution of the industry and the art form of television writing and the evolution of the abilities and influence of television as a medium. Yeah, so we're cracking into some serious history here. You know, we're going to break open the archives, and the purpose of the show is to be, uh, hopefully for all of you who are listening, is the definitive historical document of Gene's career. But we also want to make it entertaining, and we want to make it a fascinating listen. Because here's just a tiny example of some of the surprises we've already encountered while researching this show. When we first started working on it, if you asked us what the first show was to hit the air that was created by Gene Roddenberry, not written, but created by Gene Roddenberry, 
we would have confidently told you it was The Lieutenant, which aired from the fall of 1963 through the spring of 1964. Because every printed and online source in the world says exactly that. But guess what? We found out that this is wrong. And every book and every website says that in, in the interest of fairness, that includes our own Sci-Fi 5 podcast that we ourselves put out there, uh, what, a year or two ago. And all of these details that says the lieutenant uh, that was Gene Roddenberry's first created work is wrong. So who knows what we're going to find as we go through this process? We can tell you right now, it'll be a little while before we cover this show, but we can tell you with 100% certainty that on August 4th, 1960, the Western series Wrangler, created by Gene Roddenberry, premiered on NBC, where it lasted for all of six weeks. Ouch. It was the first Western series to be shot on videotape, which was a recording medium that was all of five years old at the time as a commercial application, and it was still very expensive and tricky to work with. It actually got a technical Emmy nomination for electronic camera work, and those cameras were huge. I mean, they, those did not leave the stage. Those things were on a rolling pedestal, and they weighed a lot. Uh, I've worked with some old cameras in my time from stations that hadn't gotten rid of them yet. They're they're big, trust me. You almost can't imagine filming a Western that way because it's bound to a soundstage. And this is a genre, you know, we're used to getting out, out of the soundstage, on location, with some horses, and so on. And, you know, if a show drops off the air that quickly, it's commercially probably considered a failure. And, you know, yes, Firefly fans, we hear you. There is a difference between a commercial failure and an artistic failure. Save those emails. But back in those days when videotape was too expensive to hang on to everything that existed on tape and you didn't library the tapes, those tapes were almost certainly wiped so they could be reused for something else. Wrangler, with that credit created by Gene Roddenberry, does not exist anymore. You can't watch it anymore. It's not sitting in anyone's archives anywhere that I know of. It was never repeated, never syndicated, and that credit vanished from history until we found the series format document in the archives, it was literally on day one of going through the archives, written by Gene, the format document was written by Gene in 1959, and most definitely carried the description, a television series created by Gene Roddenberry. And that just, that blew me away. It was like, everything I know is wrong. I'm not the guy to do this show. I didn't even know. So that that was I'm I'm so proud of you and so excited that you found it. I can't wait as you've just said what you're going to find next. You know, there are a lot of fans of genes and there are a lot of people out there that have access to a lot of information and they're really good at investigating. So our our goal here in genealogy is to do our very best to provide the historical documented chronological fashion of what we find. We're not going to be 100% archivally perfect with everything because I think with in the annals of history some things are, you know, they, they persist over time. Some, some things are lost. Some things are miscredited. Some things are misfiled. So we're going to do our very best to make sure that we have all of our resources in place to be able to provide you with the most correct content available so you can have these informed discussions about them. So just like Earl said, we've, we've made a major correction to the TV history books, and we're not rewriting anything. We are just providing the most current information that we can provide possible. And we'll cover Wrangler when we get there. And uh, 
will include all of Gene's film scripts for weeks seven and eight with Wrangler, which the show never made it to. So as I said, we're, we're still plowing through the archives and uh, who knows what else we'll find. Rod, uh, is there anything in particular that you can remember for as far back as you've known your father's work that you're really interested in, in discovering? Or are you just mostly interested in rediscovering the work in total because you haven't seen it for some time? Well, and, and to be completely honest, I really haven't seen too much of anything that he did before Star Trek. So this is a brand new journey of discovery for me. And I've just never taken the time to do it. And this is my motivation. Uh, you guys are, are laying the groundwork to dig into these, these shows and sort of figure them out. And I get to go on the journey of hearing that with you guys. And then I even get the added benefit of talking to you guys offline and asking all the questions. I, I'm still a fan of, of all Mission Log. And I have no doubt I'm going to be a fan of this one. I just get to call you guys almost whenever I want and ask you the questions. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It is, it is a brand new uh, journey for me. Well, with your input and, you know, with the access to everything that we have at Roddenberry headquarters and all the Roddenberry fans, we're just trying to make this the most Roddenberry-est podcast on the entire Roddenberry podcast network. This is Gene's story. First and foremost, these are Gene's stories, first and foremost. And this is a podcast that could only come from our uh, beloved Roddenberry podcast network. So Star Trek podcasting has its own space. And it is a very proliferated space with so many voices, and rightfully so. But to be completely honest, this is a show. Genealogy is a show, or genealogy. I'm still messing that up. It's kind of like writing checks, and you'd write the check for the year that was previous, and then you have to scratch out that check, and yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Genealogy is a show that could only be done with the access to the Roddenberry Archives. So it's a privilege to work with you, Rod, and you, Earl, who has spearheaded this entire uh, effort at the very beginning, and I'm so glad that it's coming to fruition because this is content that's exclusive for our listeners. And uh, for me, I can't, I can't wait to get this started. Couldn't agree more. And it all starts a week from now with the first script Gene ever sold to a TV series. The year was 1954. The show was Mr. District Attorney, and the episode was Defense Plant Gambling. Mission Log Genealogy is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. If you would like to support us directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash missionlog for early access to shows and the Mission Log Discord. Our website is missionlogpodcast.com. Special thanks to consulting producers Adam Brusky, Matt Esposito, Homer Frizzell, John Mann, Mike Richards, and Mike Shabel. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com. I came from a low-income family that was that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GC became a part of my life because I don't 
want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy, and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose.